Down to Brown in the house. Welcome back to Down to Brown. How is everyone doing? It has been quite the month. Um, I do want to say there are a lot of things that people were celebrating depending on what you identify with. And uh, to name a few, you might have been celebrating Easter. You might have been celebrating Vaisakhi, Passover, Ugadi, or Ramadan Mubarak. This week has been pretty hectic. I will say that I have been relying on a lot of restorative items like meditation and walks and art to kind of escape the day-to-day. HGTV is always involved as well because, man, a fixer-upper is the most fascinating thing to me. But one of the things that I also love about art is that it can really help connect uh, things and topics that we usually don't connect. Um, And you can see where I'm going with this because our guest today is none other than Hanifa Abdul Hamid, who you may recognize more as Colors of Honey on Instagram. And if you're not familiar with her, you can think back to the election timeframe of especially the fall of 2020. And a lot of people were wearing this black sweatshirt with Kamala Harris on it, putting a finger to her chin and looking like a boss that she is. And also um, with the caption of Kamala Auntie for VP, which I think a lot of us found really relatable. And I just loved seeing something like that that helped South Asians feel more connected to this broader American experience. And I think that's what Hanifa was able to provide. Um, She partnered with Phenomenal, who is uh, owned by Mina Harris, who is Kamala's niece. Why I wanted to talk to Hanifa was not just about her talent, but because I wanted to understand who she was behind the art. I think a mind like that who represents as best as she can as one person the South Asian experience, I wanted to get to know how she got there. Why does her mind go that direction? How does she do it all? Because clearly this isn't even her day job. So this girl is busy. Um, And the thing that really struck me as I was talking to her was that She is another example of a South Asian person who gained popularity, who is seeing the spotlight more. And because we don't see this often, there can be a lot of pressure placed on this individual and the expectation or sometimes entitlement of them having to represent everyone and them having to represent everyone's perspective. There are some really interesting examples that she actually mentions about some of the responses that she got to specific art. Some really positive, some very uniquely, um, maybe you want to talk to your therapist about it. I just want to say that I'm so amazed with artists like Hanifa and creators like Hanifa who are out there representing the South Asian experience. Keep doing the great work that you are. Don't let the haters bring you down because without you, we would have nothing out there that fully represented us and we can't count on mainstream sometimes to represent us as well. This is a longer episode, so I say Thank you in advance for your patience. If you got to section it up, listen to it on your walk, while you're doing the dishes, while you're in the shower, you know, split it up, enjoy, savor it, because Hanifa talks to me about the most interesting topics. Hi, Hanifa. Welcome to Down to Brown. Hi. 
so glad to be here. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to have you. And I know you have um, heard from me for almost over six, seven months of me just bothering you over DM <laughs> as a huge fan. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for reaching out and your support in general. Of course. I mean, it's been really thrilling to see actually your growth. I mean, like, dude, what your like explosion of popularity. So from even just when I first started <laughs> following you to now, um, I mean, I'd love to start there. So obviously the Kamala Auntie for VP is incredibly uh, successful. That slogan, the picture that you have on sweatshirt and swag. Um, it seems like you got on everyone's radar all of a sudden, but I imagine you started to do this as outside of your nine to five. And I, I don't know how, whether you expected to see this type of growth, like how, how was this journey for you? Um, so this journey really started with the pandemic. Um, I, I do work a nine to five job and um, and I also travel for my job too. So like I'm a consultant, I'm a UI UX design consultant. So I, I travel quite a lot. And most of my time when I was traveling would go into flying to client locations. And then I would just be too, I would just be so tired after coming back home that I really wouldn't do much mm -hmm. of my own personal work or anything like that. So when the pandemic started, I just had a lot more time because I wasn't spending that time traveling and being tired. Uh, so at first I was just enjoying <laughs> just having the spare time. So I was just binge watching Netflix and right. all these things. <laughs> and then I just did not feel productive in any way. So I just started illustrating um, for myself. And I was illustrating, I love fashion in general. Mm -hmm. In fact, I wanted to be a fashion designer, but. Ooh. I, I started illustrating like clothing and all of that. And I started putting that online on my Instagram account. And my cousin, she, uh, she, she made me watch this Pakistani serial and she wanted me to create art around this show. And I was hesitant at first because the show is about this uh, woman who gets raped and it's about how society treats her afterwards. Mm. So it was quite a topic. And usually I just didn't create that kind of work. Um, so she she kind of pushed me towards it and she was like, you're so passionate about feminism. You're so passionate about all these different uh, topics surrounding women empowerment. Why don't you create something around this? So then I, I did. I, I put that work out there and I got pretty good feedback. And so that's sort of how it started. Um, so initially I was just creating work, I guess, just for myself. I mean, I'm still creating work for myself around topics that I'm passionate about, but they're about topics that other people can also see themselves feel uh, some sort of connection towards. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's what really stands out about your pieces and your artwork is that you really see, you see this expression that you've chosen specifically. And I think different people have different ways of expressing the topic, yeah. but it, it seems like it invites any type of audience or identity. It seems that it invites a lot of conversation about women um, and women empowerment. Um, and so how did you, as you started to see popularity, you know, did you have a moment where you were like, oh shit, what I'm doing might mean a lot more than I realized to other people. This isn't just for me anymore or my cousin. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think the moment was definitely actually before Kamala Harris. 
um, that I felt this moment. Um, it was specifically around this piece. It was like a very personal piece because it's around this phrase I've heard a lot while growing up. It's like, mm. um, And what so does that translate term, to for people who don't know? Uh, so it basically means that a woman's suffers more than a, a woman's reputation suffers more than a man's and yeah. and it's used in that context it's used in like like uh, i've heard it like if like a relationship is broken like a woman will suffer more than the man will i've heard it in like if a girl goes out with a group of friends i've heard it in so many different ways and it just it just bothered me it bothered me that people believed in this concept and by like believing in this concept they're further like ignite like they're passing this down they're by actually believing this to be true you are actually the ones you know forcing this to um keep happening or i can't find the right words but like just have it keep continuing over and over again Mm-hmm. Yeah, the repetition yeah. It eventually becomes internalized, and yeah, I can see how damaging that is. Like to your, like I, I can't even believe that we do say that, and especially for every setting, eventually you're like, no wonder women have that kind of ceiling and that a perspective that people don't quite understand that we always think about is this type of burden we're carrying. Yeah, like. I heard specifically, I heard my mom saying this and she said, I mean, I don't believe in this, but, uh, but other people believe in this. I'm like, but you have to start with yourself. Like you have to stop thinking that it's true, you know? Totally. Cause in yeah. that like self, like you also end up kind of perpetuating it. Yeah, exactly. Perpetuating. That was the word that I was looking yeah. for. <laughs> but, yeah. I so got you. I, yeah. <laughs> So I put that work out there and I got like a lot of my family members as well as just people. At first, I didn't really think that other people would relate to it as much. I thought maybe yeah, people in my family would relate to it. Um, and that made me happy when like my family members started relating to it, like my cousins and so on. Um, like they messaged me and they were like, oh my God, this is so true. Uh, but then other people outside of my community started reaching out. And that's kind of when I realized that it's much more impactful. Absolutely. I think it also highlights the piece that like in our community, in our South Asian community, there's really a gap of seeing this type of representation, which I know is not the most revolutionary thing I'm going to say. <laughs> Everyone knows that yeah. there's clearly a gap. But at least on Instagram, I'm seeing, you know, you can take more ownership over creating communities. You don't have to wait as passively for, let's say, a studio to cast someone, right? So yeah. we're seeing this influx of like brown girl memes, brown, like brown girl gang. You're seeing like podcasts that are coming out, meme like accounts. And there's so much momentum around this. And so yeah. it is interesting. Like I, I would not have been the first one to think that this type of digital artwork would have been mm -hmm. one of the ways that we would connect. But I remember even seeing your evolution. Um, this is a thing that I blanked on earlier was the piece of I, I noticed initially your 
the intricacy of the fashion that you would detail. I remember being like, mm-hmm. how does she have the patience to like to do this like jewelry work and everything like that's so detailed and beautiful. And eventually it started to develop more and more into integrating that with feminist messages and empowering quotes. And um, I found that so interesting. So kudos to you for unintentionally finding this right like a way to speak to people but also in a way that we didn't even realize that we wanted um images have become more and more powerful and so it has become so incredible to use your work to kind of you know even show support for a cause or be able to say like hey me too i agree with this or i wish other people would recognize this more right um so this is amazing what you've created yeah you're very humble (laughs) Do I see the, like, the value of digital art as well? Mm -hmm. Um, It's, first, it's, like, really, I mean, it's much easier than traditional art to, like, you just need your your iPad. And, I mean, yes, it is a little expensive. I'm not going to lie about that. Yes, you do need uh, some privilege in the sense you need to buy yourself an iPad and Apple Pencil and all that. But it's definitely a lot more accessible than um, then having to buy a canvas, paint, and all certain colors, all of that, and it takes less time. And because it takes, usually in certain cases, it takes less time, it's faster put on social media and it's faster to get that message out. Mm-hmm. And it's a great, great tool for um, campaigning, for sending any sort of message out um, about a social cause. Absolutely. My friend, actually, um, we took a trip last week and she showed me Procreate on her iPad. And I was fascinated with how beautiful each brush stroke and, you know, colors, all the things you could do with it. Yeah. Um, But it is also highly complex. Like I couldn't even get straight like, okay, which brush do I use? How do I want the shade? You know, it's, it's a lot of work still. But to your point, it does make it a little quicker and more efficient to get things out. Um, So I'm so glad because I never realized how much of a, I don't want to call it trend, but there does seem to be a lot of artwork and um, movement happening in that space of digital art. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love all the brushes too. Um, It was at first, so initially when I started digitally illustrating, I was using Photoshop and I was using my laptop and I didn't have a mouse. I just had my trackpad and I was using that to draw. It was so hard. And yeah. I just got so used to it that I bought Procreate and I bought an iPad and I didn't use it for a whole month because I was just a little scared. Like I didn't know there were so many brushes, whereas Photoshop, yes, you can download the brushes, but you have to buy them. And there's not that many available <laughs> initially. And there's just a few that you can really use to actually create um, the art that you want. So I just have way too many choices on Procreate. So I just really wasn't using it at all in the beginning. And then slowly I started using it. And it's definitely brought my work to another level. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So in your opinion, do you think things like Photoshop will become more outdated if they don't keep up? Uh, I mean, Photoshop tries, they they like update like every few months. Um, I don't think it'll go out. Like I, I... it's definitely more expensive. It costs a lot more than Procreate. Um, so most people will want to use Procreate over Photoshop. But Photoshop definitely, it has the same, if you have, I guess, the money, it's um, it has a lot more features than Procreate does. 
unfortunately. But mm, um, Procreate is definitely cheaper. And you can, if you're doing digital art, you can do almost everything. You don't, you don't need the extra fluff that Photoshop has. Yeah. And I, I love like what you said earlier, too, of you were able to even put out quickly like political messages or social messages, too, because some of these tools, like to your point, Photoshop is incredibly expensive. Um, I also feel like there's a certain level of literacy you need to know, like to how to use it. Um, but things yeah. like Procreate or um, a lot of you know small businesses who use Instagram or any just kind of effort um, uses Canva a lot, right? And they're yeah. just so easy um, to use and anyone can do something and be able to use it to build their group and community. And so it's so awesome to have this because a lot of these efforts, especially when it comes to our type of minority representation and pushing that forward while we're seeing progress, it does have to be a little grassroots at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, my million dollar question, by the way, is... How did you come up with Colors of Honey? Oh, uh, so, so my nickname is actually Honey, uh, Hanifa. So, uh, yeah, and my husband, I actually asked him to come up with a name. And um, he knew I loved colors, so he kind of just strung it together and he put Colors of Honey. Wow, what a poetic husband of yours. Yeah, he's actually a writer, so. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's why I asked him. <laughs> Good person to outsource it to. Yeah. Does he get a lot of questions from his friends? Like, oh, your like, wife is Colors of Honey? Yeah, yeah. He does. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you're a celebrity. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're like, you're welcome. <laughs> He's like, you you're welcome. With me. Yeah, he's like, it's because of the name I gave you. I'm like, yeah, oh, sure, I sure. see. Yeah. <laughs> a competition of <laughs> who started it. Yeah. Um, so when you started to grow, who was the most surprising celebrity that started to endorse it or one of the first even? Um, one of the first celebrities. Um, I think um, Ma- Mahira Khan, she put it on her Mashin PK. I think that's the digital magazine or I don't know if mm-hmm. it's just digital, but magazine that she has. Um and they reposted it on there. So I think that was the first time like a celebrity actually reposted my work, which was really cool. Um, but there have been others. I mean, definitely because of like the Kamala Harris piece, um, a lot more other celebrities. That's when like it really got big. Um, that's when a lot of the celebrities reposted not just that work, but other work as well. Um, as well as follow, they start following me too. So that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I've talked at length about Kamala Harris's win, so I won't bore people to death about it again. But I feel like <laughs> when that was all happening, South Asians were just so proud of seeing that. And I feel like your sweatshirts and your artwork really helped us feel connected to that experience of seeing someone like us represented. Um, yeah, so yeah. I can't undermine enough like how much, you know, even if it's, it's an accessory, like that meant a lot to be able to sport it, to feel proud of like what was happening in that time. Yeah. Um, did Do you know if, uh, I know like a lot of people were wearing it. Like I, I saw a lot of celebrities post it, like Deepika Mutiala, Samina Harris. Um, did, do you know if Kamala knows about your sweatshirt? Yes, Kamala knows about the sweatshirt. So Mina Harris is her nep- or niece. And, right. Um, uh, so Mina Harris, Initially, she sold it through her her company, Phenomenal. And, of course, she got her approval 
before selling it. Um, so yeah. So yes, Kamala oh does gosh. know of it. <laughs> did she reach, like, did you get a note or anything from no. her? No, <laughs> I wish, that would be so cool. Obviously there's much more to you than just the sweatshirt, although I won't undermine the impact it had. Um, but the experiences you draw from and your perspective, I'm so curious behind the scenes in your artwork. So where in the South Asian experience do you feel that you identify with and what is inspiring you from your background and childhood, et cetera? Yeah, so a little bit about me. I was born in Saudi Arabia. I uh, lived there for about five-ish years, then moved to India, lived there for a year, and then moved to Canada, lived there for five more years, and then I finally moved to the U.S. So, like, within Damn, the... Girl. Yeah, the first few years of my life, I was, like, a world traveler, I guess. But then I pretty much grew up in New Jersey after that. I didn't really move much. But... I, How did you feel about that, by the way? Like, moving around like that as a kid? It, it wasn't... Honestly, it wasn't too bad. I don't have a terrible... Like, I I think I enjoyed it. I enjoyed moving about. And it was, like, when I was really young. By the time I was 10, 11, I was in one place. So it was it was fine. And honestly, I'm glad that I got all of the traveling done with and then I was able to settle in one place. Mm -hmm. um, because the place that my parents eventually settled in, I made like really amazing friends and I'm still friends with them to this day. And I think being with them has influenced a lot of my work, uh, especially, and as well as my own. I'm a, I'm a Muslim Indian uh, and I was... My family's from Hyderabad, specifically in India. And most of my Same friends... here! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, most of my friends are... Uh, none of my friends are Muslim. I guess Muslim people that I interact with that are around my age are basically my family. Um, so I never grew up with uh, anyone who identified as Muslim. I grew up with my friends who identified as either as Hindu or Jain. Um, and so that was an interesting... Um, I guess, childhood to experience that because I identified as an Indian woman first and then maybe like I would call myself a Muslim woman afterwards. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas after, after, after I got a job and I met like other people, um, I, I noticed that a lot of people associated themselves with, the, with their religion first and then like their mm -hmm. culture afterwards. Um, where I didn't do that. Um, so that was, that was interesting. And I think that speaks into my work a bit. Um, I try to, I think in my work, I show more of my culture more than my religion. I do, I definitely do show my religion, my work. Um, but I think mm -hmm. that comes secondary to my culture. Yeah. That's really interesting because I, that can be very, much a point of unity and division within our community of religion and culture, right? So when you get into religion, uh, I have, you know, from my own personal experience, been wondering, you know, when it comes to the way we look at white men, Christian men, perhaps in America, that is perhaps the equivalent of in India, where it is 
Indian men, Hindu, higher caste, which are maybe the ones that, you know, of privilege. So then if you're not, um, if you don't identify with one of those identities in that four or five, then you have to start to connect with your minority community. And sometimes that can become even more in some way beautiful because you're connecting with a smaller group and being able to celebrate that identity of yours, but also very challenging because it can become more and more isolating from the majority culture. So I find it really fascinating how you experience that through your friends, but then yourself. Yeah. Do you feel like you've been in any way swapping at some point? So you mentioned like growing up, it was more culture first than religion. Mm -hmm. As you get older and you're even, you know, self-aware of this, have you been finding yourself swaying in any way between those? Um, I mean, I feel like I'm still very, I mean, and I, I am, I do identify as a Muslim woman, but um, if someone were to ask me, like, tell me about yourself, I would say that I'm Indian. I w- like, I wouldn't say that I'm Muslim first. Like, the culturally, I wouldn't right. identify as Muslim. I would identify as Indian. Um, but it's interesting, um, bec- especially when I started putting out my work. So I never noticed, like, my friends are Hindu, my friends are Jain. I'm I've never noticed that much of a difference between my friends and I. We don't, like, we'll talk about our religions, but we'll we'll all respect it. And we, we're all different religions, but we'll just, like, we'll hear each other out and respect our thoughts or whatever. And I never faced any discrimination or any differences. I never felt a difference between me and my friends ever. Um mm-hmm. But I did feel that when I started putting my work out there. Uh, when I started putting my work out there, people specifically um, targeted me because I was a Muslim woman. There, like a lot of people, a lot of Islamophobic people were like attacking me. And that just felt oh, wow. really weird. I never, I've never faced that. I've never faced that in my life. Um, especially because of my friends, I think. I never faced that. Mm -hmm. Um, Throughout high school, throughout school in general, um, I I was with my friends all the time. I always hung out with them. And so I guess because I hung out with them, everyone perceived me as as this within their group, uh, and they didn't see me as a Muslim girl. Whereas, interestingly Mm -hmm. enough, my brother had the exact opposite experience where he didn't have like a group of friends like I did. Uh, and he had like a whole diverse group of friends. Um, and it wasn't a group, really. Uh, and so people would bully him and they would they would target him because he was Muslim. Uh, mm. So it was like a completely different experience. And it was interesting to see uh, this difference. And I think it, it had to do a lot with my friends and who I surrounded myself with. In a way, I'm glad that you had that sort of um, utopian experience, right? Like what you're describing is a very United Nations of South Asians coming together and being able to respect each other for their differences Mm -hmm. to build that security. But I'm really sorry to hear that once you started to put your work publicly out there, you were getting such hate because, I mean... I think it's so easy for people behind the screen. We talk a lot about this, right, of our social media bullying concept of like people just feel like they have all the cojones like behind a DM or whatever comment. Um, And so that is super unfair to you. Um, And I'm really impressed with you just 
charging ahead and not letting that get to you, even though I'm sure it's very difficult. It blows my mind how people still continue to want to um, make these distinctions amongst us. Um, And it's also going back to what we were talking about internalized, you know, as uh, similar to you, I identify with the culture. I actually just feel like I'm brown. I don't really in the Indian piece is really important to me and how I was shaped. But I just feel like if I see another brown person, I'm sort of like, well, we're all kind of brown, right? (laughs) And then if you, yeah, there's no pretense. (laughs) Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, I think, yeah, I guess when I say Indian, I definitely mean brown. I mean, all my friends are Indian, but I definitely mean brown. And like, if I see another brown person, I'm like, oh, you're brown, I'm brown. We have similar culture in some way. Um, Exactly. I just bond that way. and another, I don't know, I saw this in a different perspective once I got married uh, or before I got married when I was dating my husband, but he lived in India and in India, you're mostly surrounded by brown people. And mm-hmm. so over, whereas I didn't see a difference, my, all my friends are from different parts of the, the country in India. Um, I didn't see a difference between them. Like we ate the same food, all these things. Uh, he saw a difference. Like he, um, like if someone was from like I don't know Gujarat and they were in Hyderabad, like they would be. They would. It, it was like a different race altogether, almost. So that was an yeah. inter- interesting to see as well. I know, because you would think like in India, again, like naively, like I would think like, okay, in India, then everyone probably feels like we're all brown too, but yeah. maybe it's more here because we're in this sort of country where there are so many different, there's so much diversity. Yeah. Um, In India, even like where we're from, Hyderabad, like you and I know, both know, like there's like the old city, there's a new city, there are parts of Hyderabad that are very Hindu identifying, very Muslim identifying. Um, and even it dictates the way people travel across Hyderabad. Yeah. Um, I know like growing up, like when I visit and I told you I spend a lot more time now as an adult since my parents moved back. But if we were getting dressed up, I don't like wearing a bindi. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just like irritating to me. And as a kid of acne, I was like, no, it's just going to make me more <laughs> hippie. And my relatives would be like, oh, but people will think you're Muslim. And to me, I was like, so what? Like, yeah. who cares, right? Um, but it, it, that type of distinction becomes so integrated that it's hard to even interrupt it with your family. Yeah. Um, and I can only imagine if it's still being carried over and that's how it's translating to messages and comments on Instagram, then um, how much damage that type of thinking is doing to something that when anyone is looking at us, like in the States, at least I'm like, I'm sorry to tell you, no one cares whether, you know, like whatever identity you are, religion, like you look brown and that's what they see. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, um, I feel like anywhere that you go, um, people I don't know people just try to divide themselves um yeah and like here we're kind of divided by race because that's the first thing that we see um because there's so many different races here um whereas in India or maybe some other country I just give India because I'm from there Um, that's what we know yeah yeah that's what we know um they divide themselves by by religion by um Mm -hmm. the state that they're from um so caste yeah yeah, caste yeah 
I, I also only found out, really, really found out about cast once, like, yeah, once I started dating my husband again. Um, otherwise, I, I was clueless about cast because no one really talks about it here. Even my friends, they, like, when I brought it up to them, they're like, oh, we didn't know anything about this. Uh, and I mean, yeah, so it's just not talked about here at all. Whereas in India, yeah. it's very much prevalent. It's super, and it's um, pretty invisible, um, but in a way that obviously has very devastating effects, especially the lower down the, quote, hierarchy you go. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. The person who taught me about um, the caste system was my sixth grade teacher in Pleasanton, California, because we were learning about world history chapters, and I heard about it from, like, the American textbooks. Oh. And it's interesting because you don't cover a lot. Like, the India chapter, first of all, is, like, super minor, right? Like, yeah. boiling down one of the oldest first civilizations and then ha- giving it a chapter is very difficult. Yeah, Everything is a paragraph. And so the caste system actually had the most real estate in that chapter. Oh, wow. And I can't help but wonder, like, why? Because that doesn't... Um, there's a lot more context there and to just drop it as this is something that they practice. This is the caste hierarchy. Like, why are we learning it? Right. Like India itself is trying to break it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm trying to like, I, I think I always wondered. And that's when I started asking questions with my family, like, oh, what caste? My friends are asking me, like, do we follow it? And like yeah. they were always very hush hush about it. So it's it's both like embarrassing, awkward. No one wants to talk about it, um, but it also exists and is clearly having really strong implications on our society. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think like it, it definitely in India, caste is especially uh, I guess as a young adult, caste has a lot to do with your education, like where you're mm-hmm. placed and all that. Which I had also no idea of until I started dating my husband. Yeah, and your job, right? Like, and being able to break that. Yeah, and your job, too. Yeah. yeah. To break that cycle, yeah. I highly recommend anyone who's interested in learning more about this. I myself am a student of this, so I'm not really preaching from a place of expertise. But the book cast is also really interesting because it talks about it as the concept itself and not just something specific. India doesn't have exclusivity over that concept. It's something that is applicable in the U.S. in how we've, you know, redlining Jim Crow, et cetera, and then also um, in Germany. And so it was a very interesting take on like reading about universally, how does it show up? It's not like a specific, you know, system that belonged to one culture. um, And it is the piece we can't explain with race alone. Um, So I found that really fascinating. Yeah. So when I I think I put out some piece um, about about it was about a rape victim um, Mm -hmm. and she was killed and she was raped by a higher caste man, a higher caste Hindu man. Uh, And I put Mm -hmm. that piece out and first I got a lot of hate for it. Um, And then second, um, I learned a lot by by a lot of people that were just I don't know I guess they were just adding more information to it but I learned a lot of things too from it I learned that Mm. um so one is like we think like to your point we think that a lot of like it's only prevalent in Hinduism but that's not true in any way it's prevalent in many other religions many other cultures um 
And in fact, um, it's just, it's almost just like passed down a lot of, uh, in fact, a lot of Hindus, like they, they, when they, they converted to either Christianity or Islam or whatever, um, to escape that, mm-hmm. but then they were still stuck in that, yeah. in that whole system. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. Yeah. And I feel like, so that piece was, I, I remember you mentioning um, prior to when we spoke be, uh, before this, it was quite controversial. Mm-hmm. How do you, so I have two separate questions. So one is experientially, I'd love to understand, like you put something out there, you hit post mm-hmm. and you start to get these comments that are super negative. What goes through your mind? Um, at first, usually, so... So there's two, two, I guess, two ways I think about it. So one, if they're super hateful, I straight up just block them and I don't think about it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're saying something like, if they're trying to say something, then maybe I try to have a conversation with them. I'll Sometimes I'll like DM them or I'll just write a message back and then they'll write one back to me. Um, so yeah, it just really depends. Although... In the beginning, when this was happening, it really, really triggered me. And um, mm-hmm. I wanted to be like, no, that's not what I'm thinking. Or that's not the message of the artwork. You got it completely wrong. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's always hard. It's always hard to when you get that kind of a message. Um, I always feel like I need to explain myself to them. But I've just learned that. And I don't need to do that. Like, I don't need to explain myself to people. Like, this is my art. If you really feel so strongly about it, um, create your own art, create your own content. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely, I can imagine. And I really admire you for having that type of growth mindset with this work. Because to your point, you know, it's, it, it sounds like you're also learning from it too. Like, you are open to, okay, if I did get something wrong, let me learn more about it but also there comes a place where this is my work and you're one person you have a perspective that you're sharing um there are plenty others and other people can do it themselves to your point (laughs) like you know if they feel that strongly about it so i'm curious too like the second half was do you feel like you get certain pressure in how you're supposed to represent this south asian world in your art Uh, that's a good question um, no, I feel like I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think I get any pressure about how I'm supposed to represent. Um, I usually, I usually, I mean, I usually get a lot about my identity that I, I shouldn't portray a Hindu woman, um, that because I'm a Muslim woman, I get that a lot, but mm. those I usually just block. Those people yeah, are just end definitely. Up yeah. Yeah. Do you ever feel that certain people have entitlement to your work and maybe more than others? Like, do you see a certain group or anyone coming at you? Yes. Oh my God. I feel like people <laughs> are just feel so entitled to my work. Um, there's one group of people, like the people who just love trolling for fun. I feel yeah. like um, there's those kinds of people who. Um, are not artists themselves, don't create art, but just feel the need to um, comment their opinion all over the place um, as if mm-hmm. they own your artwork. 
Um, so those are one type of people. And then there are people who just want to take advantage of your work in general, who um, don't care about you as an artist. Um, really just, they see, they see that this work of yours can make them money. So they just want to take advantage of it. So yeah, there's two types. I'm so of- sorry. I can probably yeah, imagine, especially now when we're getting more with the reshares, you know, digitally and like how what we put out in each account, but also with swag and items. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of stealing of artwork that happens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, with Kamala Harris, it was with that artwork. It was it was crazy. I mean, still to this day, like I I see. I go on Etsy, I go on Amazon, I go on random sites and I like, I Google it up every few months um, and I find a whole bunch of them and I start reporting them. Oh my gosh. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so frustrating. It's, it's so frustrating. It's really frustrating. And they just keep popping up and it's just so annoying. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like the new pirating of DVDs, I feel like, from our younger generation, right? Like where you're like, no, that doesn't count. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's a way to rob the artist. Um, I'm so sorry that happens. Like I, I can imagine that's super frustrating. And I think that's why like it's so important to follow the source, to get the information from the source and make sure that you are doing that. So you actually it's not about just a trend, it's about encourage, you know, being able to also yeah. Give back to the artist and business owner. I think, I think like, uh, I mean, this has definitely helped me realize like the value of an artist's work. Um, like whenever trends occur, people just like jump on board and <laughs> they just like want to purchase whatever is trending. Um, and they don't look at like the actual source or like actually who who's original creator of it. Um, mm-hmm. And... So for like the Kamala Harris artwork, um, it was being sold only on sweatshirts and I couldn't sell it on any other thing on my shop. Uh, mm. And so a lot of people wanted it um, for like their kids. They wanted it on uh, T-shirts, all these sorts of things. And I, like I just could not provide it. Um, and so people saw an opportunity. They stole the work and they started putting it on those types of material and Mm. of course people wanted it um and maybe they even knew that it wasn't like the actual original creator selling it but just because they wanted it they bought it from those other sources yeah unfortunate right it is sort of the desperate need to identify with the trend suddenly yeah So that being said, you know, going back to the um, piece we were mentioning, too, I wanted to ask you one last question is given that, you know, we joke about this a lot, many of us, of how like India, Pakistan, you're talking about a one billion plus people. Mm -hmm. And so when you are trying to represent the South Asian experience, it's like, where do you begin? You could have all sorts of multitudes. And that's both the amazing part of it, but also if you're someone who's being expected to represent it, mm-hmm. it is a whole region. So I'm wondering how you decide to how do you, how you decide what to focus on. So like let's say, you know, there are five things happening, you know, there could be a multitudes of intersections going on in South Asia, like where there's a story happening in Bangladesh, a story happening in Pakistan, a story happening in India, story happening to Americans who are Indian or South Asian yeah. in general. And how do you decide, okay, this week I'm going to do this because this is the most important thing to me? 
Um, I guess it just has to do with which one, which story impacts me more. Um, so I, one person, one person asked me if I consider myself like an activist or if I consider myself an artist first. Um, and I definitely consider myself an artist over an activist because mm-hmm. the work I put out, yes, it does have like an activism message. But ultimately, it's for me, it's um, things I'm passionate about, um, messages I'm passionate about. Um, it's it's my art in general. Uh, so I, I create like art that re- somehow relates to me or has impacted me in some way or like it just it. it it really just depends. I'm, I'm, I'm not even like the kind of person. I know there's like a lot of people who like very much are super organized and they have like content uh, or types of art that they'll, they'll like schedule like per mm-hmm. week. I'm not one of those people. Like I will draw in the moment. Like if I feel like doing this, then I will, I will draw it. And like, I, I like create art and it takes me about like maybe one or two days to create it. Um, so yeah. it, it's not, I don't like plan anything in advance. If I'm feeling like creating it, then I'll create it. It's kind of like that. Well, that's what I really, I think, appreciate about your account and what you stand for is because it, it's, it does come across very sincere. Um, and I think that's something that we could learn is that it, this is also your personal account. Right. Um, Correct me if you have like a private. Okay. No, I actually Um, actually have a private account. I put photos. Drama. (laughs) I actually have a a private. Like I just put photos though on there. Um, Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you're like I have a personal life beyond this. Um, (laughs) But I I do appreciate at least that it's it's a way for us to understand you as an artist too. Like what is important to you. And I think that's something that we, it's the distinction, what you mentioned about artists versus activist is important for us to understand is to me, it's sort of like, I like the way you think specifically you as a human being, like the way that your perspective is, um, the things you choose to talk about and it's unique. And so I, that's why I have like, you have my follow, for example, but there are other people who might be more encompassing and right, like, and that might speak to other people. So I think that's where we have to understand, like, you can't expect you to be the person who does all of those, Um, nor would it probably maintain the integrity of your work too, right? If you're like, I'm trying to push one thing out every day about everything happening in the world, you're not like an NPR podcast. Yeah, I mean, like the quality of my work will go down. And I feel like, um, unfortunately, like, I, uh, I feel like part of my work has, it's like, like once you start putting work on social media, it's, it turns into a drug in some way. And it's like, oh my God, I need to get that many likes again. I need to get that many shares again. Like it's, it's very much like a drug and I'm, I'm starting to realize that and I'm starting to be like, like I still I don't I don't want this to be like an account for others. I want it to be for myself. And I yeah. want to put out work that I'm proud of and I feel like it's deteriorating a little bit unfortunately because of just like uh, just just w- w- wanting to like keep up with like the trends, keeping up with like the news or so on and um so like I I'm starting to like like backtrack and be like no. <laughs> 
no, I can't, I can't, yeah. like, I, I shouldn't do this. Like, it's still my work. And um, yeah, and I and also just like taking, I think, like, I've, I've also stopped like taking so much commissioned work as well, because that that also kind of affects it. It's like, like taking commissioned work, um, like this is supposed to be like for fun, like I create this work for fun outside of my nine to five job and like taking commissioned work sometimes takes away from the fun um, because you're creating the artwork, not really for yourself. You're creating it for someone else. Definitely. No, that I, I can re- like that resonates a lot with me. Um, and I'm learning from you as someone who is starting my own right, like with this podcast. And it can be a lot of you can get in your head a little bit and you have to keep remembering that it's fun and uh, to your yeah. point and that it's it's really there because you genuinely just want to put this work out and think, Maybe others will enjoy, but um, if you're trying to run a business, that's a whole nother thing, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, it's two separate things. And also what you mentioned earlier reminded me of kind of this piece, like we talk about a lot in these episodes is once you have a person of South Asian identity represented in a space, then there mm-hmm. becomes a lot of pressure to talk to, like talk, speak to everyone. And whether it's, you know, the episode with Milk and Cardamom, whether I talked to Swasti Shukla, BuzzFeed, like they all were saying similar things about once you get out there, they're like, well, that's not my experience. But you're like, there are like 50 billion permutations of how you could be South Asian, right? Like once you add in all the dimensions. So it is really difficult, but we are also so starved, I think, of seeing ourselves that we start to make the mistake of being like, hey, why aren't you covering this? Why aren't you covering that? Yeah. Yeah, I get a lot of requests, actually. I mean, I, I like the request. I mean, people can request all the artwork they want um, as long as it's They're a, engaged, clearly. Yeah. As long as it's a request and not like not like you're constantly like create this, create this, create this or like um, making me feel bad that I'm not creating it. Like yeah. request all <laughs> the art you want. That's okay. I love the ideas that people bring sometimes. Um, but yeah, there's been times where people have have also just made me feel bad for not constantly creating. Um, like for instance, the farmers protest, which was a huge deal. Um, and I created something in November about it. And it, it lasted a really long time. And then afterwards, I, I didn't create something about it for like a few months. But then... Um, I created something in November 2020, and then it got really big for some for, because Rihanna tweeted about it, and a whole bunch of other celebrities tweeted about it, and then it got really, really big. Then, so then I was like, okay, let me create another artwork, and this artwork was specifically targeted targeted because like of all of the Bollywood actors and actresses um, going like talking against the whole farmers' protest, basically talking against the farmers in general. So I created that artwork and this one person was like, um, I have been following you for months now. I, you have not talked about the farmer's protest. Why are you suddenly talking about it when all of these celebrities are talking about it? Why are you jumping on this bandwagon? And, mm. and I was just so frazzled. I was just so frazzled by that comment. It just like really like bothered me so much. And I told the person that I did create the art. Like I didn't have to justify myself, but I did create the art months ago. I checked that person's profile. They had nothing about the farmer's protest. And I was just, 
I was like that person felt so entitled to my work mm. in that moment. They felt like um, they felt like I needed to create. They they're like it's an outrage that I I wasn't creating artwork. Um, so yeah, yeah. It just just really annoyed me. It ticked me off. It was like I'm I'm creating this work for myself, and yes, at times it does speak to certain events that are happening in the world, but that doesn't mean that it's for you to take ownership of or I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, at that point it becomes about you, you can also amplify a message, right? Like I think yeah. it's, it was really important at the time to see that the, it was getting the attention it needed. It is really for I actually thought it was something that we needed to talk about a little bit because not a little bit, a lot, a bit, because it was a person who was not South Asian promoting yeah. it. And then suddenly South Asians felt like the celebrities felt like they had the interest, right? So yeah. I, I, my frustration personally, I know people might not agree, but my disagreement was with like how convenient for Bollywood to go in the steps now that Rihanna has tweeted about it and it's like, cool. Yeah. Um. So I think it was also important to keep reiterating, like that's why it's like, you have to keep putting it out. So. I'm glad you did, but yeah, it's it's probably goes to show the same message of people just don't misunderstand and feel entitled. Yeah. yeah. On the note of your artwork, I've noticed a lot of your pieces are about women empowerment and pretty outspoken about the feminist movement, which in my personal opinion, when I have been pretty vocal or unapologetic or maybe less soft about my message with feminism, I can have a lot of reaction from my community or my relatives. Um, they have a lot of opinions on how I'm supposed to feminism. So I'm curious, like, do you do you get any kind of responses for this type of content? Because I've noticed like consistently that is the one that you post about. How do people react to your pro-feminist messages? Um, so yeah, I've I've had a lot of amazing uh, that that's sarcasm, but amazing <laughs> uh, um, comments and on my artwork. Um, so like a couple one one artwork specifically, uh, which is like the beauty with brains. There were a lot of guys um, saying so. My artwork spoke about beauty with brains is not a compliment. Um, and then a lot of men specifically <laughs> commented on that. And they're like, so are you saying that beauty, comma, and you're smart are, is not a compliment? Like, people went off on that. And I was like, no, would anyone call you beauty with brains? Like, would anyone say that as a compliment to you ever? And so people went off on that. And then another artwork that people had a lot of opinions about um, was um, the artwork about marriage. So uh, actually wedding. So on my wedding day specifically, uh, I was told a lot this phrase, Sada Suharinoho, meaning may you always be married or may you always remain married. And, um, and then my husband, on the other hand, got... Uh, hamesha, hamesha meaning like, may you always be happy. 
and I was just like, wait, why is there there why is there this discrepancy? Like, uh, why not? Why don't I get Hamesha Khushraho, or why doesn't he get Sada Suhagan Raho? Like, don't you also want him to stay married to me? You're not allowed <laughs> to be happy, honey. <laughs> And a lot of a lot of men went off on that as well, and they're like, "It's a phrase. It's supposed to. Uh, it's a. It's like a. I don't know. It's like a nice phrase that um, people are told. How how like why are you making this into such a big deal? It doesn't need to be this big of a deal." And I was just like, "This is my art. I mean, you're not going to. You're not. You're not facing this. So uh, you don't have a say in this, really. Um, so I mean." It was just interesting the kinds of commentary I got, and yeah, they are a lot of them do come from men. Of course, there are some women who also have um, amazing things to say too, uh, but definitely a lot more men. Um, mm. And I remember this one time about colorism, actually. This one person, and it goes into entitlement too. Um, so one person on, I think it was the Beauty with Brains artwork, um, they were like, this is beautiful, but why is she so dark? And then they went on and proceeded to comment on every other artwork, which had like a semi-dark-ish woman. Um, and they, they're like, why is this woman so dark? Why is this woman so dark? And they proceeded to just comment everywhere. And... And then they messaged me and they were like, your artwork is great, but you need to do more light-skinned um, women. And I, I called them out. And I was like, this is racist. You're being racist. And they're like, how can I be racist? I'm Indian. And I was just like, oh, my mm. God. Oh, oh, the misinformation and the lack of education is just really like... I ended up just blocking them because I just couldn't take the time out of... I was just going to go insane trying to explain to them how that made no sense at all. Absolutely. No, I really appreciate you sharing all those examples because it's so interesting to see like when the flip side of how people can take these. Um, and it, it goes to show this is still a continuous educational journey for all of us. Like just because we are starting to see this type of work in different ways, whether it's art or music or conversation, etc., People, there's a long way to go for our, within our own community, which I think is why we're all kind of coming together now, right? To like create this type of content and dialogue. Yeah. What are some of the surprisingly like, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of positive responses too with um, the, you know, male allies or women. So what are some of your favorite comments that you've gotten from guys, especially, you know, we yeah. mentioned them earlier. Oh, oh my God. There's been some amazing, I think, like men who support my work. Um, there was this one person, uh, uh, when we were talking about the farmers protests and the one person like commented saying like, uh, I can't believe you haven't posted anything, um, about the farmers protests. You're only protesting for exposure or whatever. Um, this, this, this guy, he, he was so nice. He like defended me and he wrote, she like you're not entitled to her artwork she is an artist uh and she doesn't need to create um like she doesn't need to follow some trend or anything like that she can create what she wants to and you don't have a say in that um mm -hmm. and i just i felt like i was just like so amazed um like wiping a tear yeah like wiping a tear i was like oh my god this this person's so amazing um 
and then yeah just like a, a whole other bunch of like artists as well like um i feel like i've i've digitally like um bonded with people um or like so uh, on social media with a lot of male artists who who illustrate like feminism um like who illustrate feminism feminist messages into their work um like ayush um is one of them um mm-hmm. and then who else is there um yeah i mean there's a couple like and i can name them afterwards but they're i i mean like i'm just so like so amazed that like they're supporting us in this way like yeah like like being these allies yeah Absolutely. And I really appreciated that about like as someone who's also dark skinned, like I really appreciated that as someone who is, you know, you, you like in your photos, you're quite fair skinned. And I appreciated that you do represent every a type of brown. That's the type of South Asia that I know is people who look at all colors and shades of brown. And yeah. so I, I really appreciate you doing that um, and making sure that each piece, whether it is gender, sexuality, religion, country, you're very much someone who's inclusive. So thank you for starting that movement because we do need to see more of that. One of the months coming up in May, um, which I know we're having this conversation in April, but hopefully we're thinking about this even outside of May, (laughs) is mental health. And so May is Mental Health Month, Awareness Month. And um, I wanted to ask, like, this is something that we're all dealing with, especially since the pandemic, but any career you have to balance your mental sanity. And I imagine the life of an artist and that too, someone like you that is putting out so much great work, exposing your artistry, and then also doing a day job, you might need to start defining work-life balance or understanding some semblance of how do I make sure that I'm still like my Hanifa self in my personal life. So how do you self-care and like, do you struggle with burnout? I definitely struggle with burnout. Um, I, I initially, when I first started, I was creating like work, I don't know, like three work per week almost, which is I think outrageous Whoa. now. Um, and I was just like, I was just creating it and putting it out there. And I wasn't burning out then because I don't know. No one had any expectations of me putting out work. Um, I didn't. Ha- I didn't have like this huge following, and I didn't feel like I needed to like keep entertaining them in some way. Um, and so I was just putting out work, like whatever work, um, in whatever state, really. Uh, and then slowly, it has definitely changed. Um, and like because of all of this exposure, obviously, a lot of people. Um, would like work, like a lot of commissioned work and all the stuff, which is amazing. It's just like, I need to figure out how to say no. I'm, I'm like the type of person who'll be like, yeah, yeah, totally. I'll take that. Like, at first I was saying yes to like everything and uh-huh. anything. And then I had to, I was, I was definitely burning out. I was burning out hardcore. And, um, like I was, at one point I even like I started like crying I like had a meltdown but like my husband had to be like you need to stop taking work you need to just like create work for yourself because that makes you happier honestly yeah and you need to stop taking like um work for other people and it's just like I don't know I just 
it's it's still hard to this day it's hard to say no to people it's like mm-hmm. everyone that comes like especially like a lot of like um a, a lot of people because i put out work around social causes a lot of like nonprofit organizations will reach out um wanting to work with me which like they have all of these nonprofit organizations have amazing causes and it's like it's like really hard to just like be like no i can't i'm sorry yeah. i can't create art around this and i feel bad but it just yeah it's, yeah because you're probably like i'd love to yeah but I'd love you're to. one person <laughs> yeah i'd love to like i have to be like if i if anyone reaches out to me i have to be like i i now i have a calendar and um i put down all of like i take i take like one project maybe like once a week um and i try not to do any more than that um so mm-hmm. like if people don't come to me on time um, then it's like I have to be like uh, I can only give you the work like four months from now or six months from now and it's like uh, I'm sorry I just can't like yeah yeah I really respected that about you actually even when I approached you I think last year earlier this year about um, bridesmaids like gifts yeah. um, and you had mentioned like you weren't free till April and I, I realized I was like, yeah, who am I to think that like, she's just going to be like, cool, your bridesmaids gift. Let me like turn that around in one month. And I was like, that makes total sense that like, she's probably inundated with requests. So I'm glad that you're able to find that space because I think that's where not only does it help you stay sane, but it'll continue to help us as your fans and audience get work from you and see your work um, and be able to enjoy it because if you burn out then that sucks for us <laughs> we don't have <laughs> as much of color as of honey um but then also I, I I wonder if this like is something you can tell me if this doesn't connect with you but I feel like I get more sensitive about feedback and like constructive criticism when I am burnt out because you're like I'm trying my best already right and you take out this frustration that you have on almost yourself because you're exhausted um on that and I think the more that you become a master of your own balance then even when people have things to say if it's constructive then you can respond thoughtfully if it's useless you can be like you know what it's not gonna bother me like this is just something that's bad energy for me but I feel like those ways of protecting yourself too from people especially in such a public facing um, opportunity you can do that better yeah I totally agree I think like when I'm burnt out I I like look for like these comments and I start like um like if someone says anything bad to them like I'll be like very snarky and um like throw a comment back at them and I feel like I don't do that when I'm not burnt out I do that very much when I'm burnt out I'm like oh I'm like ready to like you know snap Mm -hmm, exactly So one of the last questions I wanted to end with is, you know, considering the fact that we've talked about all these multitudes of experiences that you've brought into your unique art. And this is exactly why I wanted to talk to you, because I feel like you are, of course, Hanifa Colors of Honey on Instagram, but you're also so much more, I'm sure, behind that. And I wanted to get a sense of who is that and be able to celebrate it. And so how do you free yourself to live your most authentic life, given this whole piece of balancing multiple identities of our South Asian um, background, the struggles, the joys, etc. That's what Down to Brown is about, is like, how do you live your best life, given the like, dualities and the multiple identities we're balancing between like America and South Asian. 
Um, so I'm kind of curious, mm-hmm. like, what would your overarching kind of takeaway almost be of like, how do you free yourself of that like pressure and stigma? Pressure from like, I guess just being like um, either or like either South Asian or yes. either. So American. like being South Asian enough or too South Asian, being American enough, being too American, you know, like all of these pieces that we have of like, oh, I'm, but I'm, you know, I have a little bit of Saudi, a little bit of India, a little bit of Canadian and India, uh, American. So like all of that probably creates yeah. that tension. So how have you freed yourself to like embrace it all, but also release yourself of that where you're like, I'm just Hanifa. Definitely this page has helped me with my identity um, and like having like an American identity as well as a South Asian identity. I don't, <laughs> I don't consider myself Saudi in any way besides being born there. Um, I don't think I have a any ounce of that culture in me. Um, but yeah, it's definitely helped me just figure out my identity and like be comfortable with it because before before like creating this page, especially in school, um, in high school, throughout high school, I tried to distance myself from my South Asian identity as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, weirdly enough, I would be like, I'm um, like, I would say I'm Indian. And then I would be like, I'm point zero, like 25% like, you know, <laughs> Turkish or Yemen or whatever. Um, and just like try to make myself seem like a little more different than just mm-hmm. South Asian. And I'm embarrassed I did that. That was just so embarrassing. I can't believe I did that. But um, yeah, it's just like I'm, I'm much more like proud to be um Indian um I remember even in college like a lot of my art actually are is based on my experiences and in college I remember um my friends I'm not friends with them anymore but (laughs) my friends um they said this phrase now that I look back at it it was just so so terrible they were like you're so pretty for a brown girl. Mm. And and I just, I I thought of it as a compliment then. I was like, oh, okay, cool. They think I'm pretty, like I'm comparable to like a white girl, I guess. Um, and now it just, it like disgusts me. It's like, I can't believe my so-called friends said that to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I'm I'm thinking differently um, with this artwork. I'm really thinking about my identity a lot. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm thankful for like being able to think that way now because of my artwork. Absolutely, and I love that we get to also experience that journey with you. What you described of your past, I think a lot of us are guilty of, and a lot of us carry a lot of that shame, even if it's not that necessarily that comment. There are other ways, you know, whether it's like you sound, you don't sound Indian though, or you don't sound Pakistani, or, you know, those things are very, um, unfortunately, they were compliments to us. Um, and yeah. so I think we are questioning a lot of that. Um, but now we know better. <laughs> and it seems like yeah. we're getting to meet ourselves for the first time in some ways. It's so funny when you say, like, you don't sound like whenever I used to go to India, um, like people would all the time, they'd be like, you don't sound like you don't, you don't sound, you sound American, you don't sound Indian. Like they would just, you know, say that over and over again to me. And I would take that as a compliment. And like, even yeah. like when I spoke like Hindi or Urdu, 
um, they'd be like, you have an accent. And I'd be like, yeah, I do have an accent. <laughs> you speak Urdu? Um, I, I actually really don't know the difference between Hindi and Urdu. I kind of just mix it together. Um, so yeah, I speak a mixture of Hindi and Urdu. Oh my God, that's amazing. I'm really jealous. Urdu is so beautiful. My dad can speak it. So whenever we go to like Old City, especially, he speaks it. And I just sit there like, yeah, and, you know, waiting for someone to speak Telugu. <laughs> My, I mean, my my Urdu Hindi is not, like, amazing, but my husband, um, he's really, like, he's he's really good at writing. He's also really good with language, and he can just, like, switch on and off between, like, different languages. And when he speaks Urdu, it's just so poetic. Oh, I know. Uh, it's yeah. so gorgeous. Okay, so, of course, as you know, custom in Down to Brown is that we end with a fun, rapid-fire type round, which is slowly, I should just not call it rapid-fire because I always have follow-up questions, but we call it the chip-chip round, and I have five different questions just to get to know you a little differently. Are you ready? I'm ready. So, if you were a Crayola crayon, what color would you be? Probably bubblegum pink. Pink is definitely my favorite color. And I'm definitely very feminine. And it's always been my favorite color. And uh, in between, this is getting very long. But anyway, in between, uh, uh, a lot of people would be like, I don't know, people didn't want to be as feminine in middle school, I feel like. And they like stopped playing with Barbies. They stopped like liking the color pink. But I was just like, no, I'm going to stick with pink. And I love Barbies. So yeah, I'm gonna go with bubblegum pink. <laughs> I love that. And especially when millennial pink made a resurgence, you were probably like, yeah, bitch, I've yeah. been down for this since the beginning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been exactly. a groupie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your dream project to oh. work on. Oh no. Um, my dream project would definitely be like collaborating on some fashion line um i always mm. wanted to go into fashion so definitely helping in creating some line not just creating art for uh, a shirt but designing the shirt itself oh yeah that would be so cool yeah i mean of course i imagine your second answer would be to work with lahari but you know uh, yeah oh, that's a different yeah story. totally <laughs> <laughs> um when you think back to your wedding which you had shared you had done it right on the brink of covid um what was the favorite part of your wedding that you always remember fondly? Okay, so um, my favorite part was just, I think, my hubby ceremony um, because I had all of my family members there. Throughout my wedding, weirdly enough, I did not feel like it was like like me and my husband, like it was like some romantic thing happening between me and my husband. That only happened maybe like afterwards. I felt like the whole wedding was about the family more than like mm -hmm. me. I hardly even got to see my husband actually throughout the wedding. So it was hardly about us. It was more so about our families, which was nice. It was, it was really cute. I liked it. I liked, I liked feeling um, like my family was there for me. Of yeah. course. Yeah. No, that's not so lovely. Yeah. Um, especially once it got harder to see each other last year, right? Yeah. I'm glad you got that. Yeah. Um, a food that you will wait three hours in line for. Bonnie Puri. Oh my god. Yes. So good. <laughs> oh my god. I um I specifically want to go back to Mumbai to I forgot the name L. I don't know. I don't know. It starts with the E. You don't have to tell me what yeah, it is. Yeah, but it's so good. The pani puri there is so good. And the water is hygienic. So, yeah, <laughs> I can have Ugh. as much as I want. 
Totally. Um, I learned in my last trip to India that you could do, I didn't know that sometimes you can serve Pani Puri where they make it for you and pass it and they just keep like making it and passing it to the people around them, if that makes sense. No, I don't know. So he'll like stand, the guy at the booth, uh-huh. you'll have like a four or five people, whoever is like the customer surrounding the booth uh-huh. and he'll make a, a single Golgappa and then give it to a person. Then he'll make the next one, give it to the person next to them. So you don't have to make it yourself. Oh, you just yeah. get handed. Yeah, I've never done that. And Wait, like, really? No, I That's always the whole really experience. <laughs> That's the whole experience. That's why I love it so much from India specifically. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I this was new to me. So um, <laughs> at the age of 27. <laughs> yeah. um, and then last but not least, the sexiest celebrity out there, in your opinion. Oh, your husband can cover his ears. OK, sexiest celebrity out there. The one that I'm thinking about is Padma Lakshmi. She posted yes. this really gorgeous picture of herself. And also just like uh, once I started following her, once she started following me, actually, uh, then I was just like fangirling over her so much um, and she's amazing and I love just like she's just an amazing like role model in general yeah yeah are you talking about the one where she has like the 1920s haircut yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh my gosh Hanifa this has been so much fun to get to know you better and now that I know you have a private Instagram account I feel doubly special that I got to spend this time with you to get to know you so thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me yeah of course this was so much fun thank you